Are you a service-based business owner looking to increase profits to fund your lifestyle? Well, this podcast is for you. We bring you inspirational guests sharing actionable tips to solve many of the struggles you face each and every day. And now, over to your host, Paul Higgins. So welcome, Jennifer Goldman from Jennifer Goldman Consulting to the Build Live Give podcast. Great to have you here, Jen. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, excellent. Well, you know, we've had some great conversations in the past and I know you're going to give so much value today, but why don't we just kick off with a little bit about your career and how you got, most importantly, to running your own business? Yeah. So I started my career being an employee at several different businesses. And every time I was looking to do massive changes and luckily enough, they allowed me. And after doing that enough times, I just said enough is enough. I want the flexibility. I had a little pivot in life, which is having children. And, you know, that was the writing on the wall. So I went from being, I would say, in one business at a time to working with several businesses. Yeah. And and I know Morgan Stanley, Lehman Brothers, Lehman Brothers was that, I think that was what, when it was still, still, well, firstly, still around. (laughs) Exactly. A lot of them, right? Yeah. Actually, when I started working, I started in high school, my parents working parents. And so I actually worked my, one of my first jobs was at a John Deere company where there was tractors coming in and out and equipment. And then I did uh, some jobs at a bank. And then I did some jobs at a nighttime dating service, writing ads for people. Like I have really done a lot of different things. So yeah, when I finally got to the Lehman and those, that was my whole experience being a financial planner for business owners. But there is stories behind, you know, every tranche of life. Yeah, great. And I suppose the shift from working in multiple businesses to running your own, who's been your, or back then, who are your biggest supporters through the, the transition and who continues to be your biggest supporters now? Yeah, and have I lost them? <laughs> so certainly my husband, big supporter. He saw the entrepreneurial blood in me, I think probably before we got married. So that was a big deal. In terms of who paved the path, I have to give a lot of credit to my parents. My dad was a teacher and my mom was an assistant at a college um, in foreign languages, but both of them also had real estate on the side. So I definitely saw the trials and tribulations of being your own business owner, but I also saw the freedom it gave you to have life choices. Yes. And yeah, they're still around to support me. So yeah, brilliant. Well, let's move into the build section. I know everyone wants to understand more of what you do. So what do you say when someone comes up to you and says, Hey, Jen, you know, what do you do? You know, who do you help and how do you help them? How do you answer that? Well, sometimes it changes, although I'm told it should always be the same. I'm a fixer and a transformer. So when people ask, what do I do? My answer is I'm here to fix those hurdles in your business that are holding you back. And from there, the conversation spins out. Most often they're mentioning the hurdles of people, right? Or productivity or not enough time, not enough energy. You know, you know the stories. Yeah. And I'm sure not, you know, everyone listening at the moment will be shaking their head like, you know, they've never had those problems, right? So <laughs> so there's a plenty. So as far as who, so who do you help specifically or who do you love to help? Yeah. So I really love helping budding businesses. And what I mean by that is they're on the edge of just being you know, in the US, I call it like a lifestyle practice. And they're really on the cusp of being a formable business, meaning you have people on your team, full-timers, you have to have systems and standards and procedures. And the people that I love working with are the owners and leaders that are intellectually curious. Like they're open to habit changes. They're open to ideas and changes and they're confident. 
So they're just as much as they're open, they're willing to listen and then say, you know what, that fits me. Like that makes sense for our business and me, or I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I love that too. Yeah. So. And, and look, you know, I certainly love working with similar clients from a more sales yeah. perspective, and I suppose, you know, you're more operations, operations. but uh, what are some of the struggles? You know, we can talk at a top level, but what are the sort of the things you see day to day with people struggling to scale their operations? I think one really big thing is that we business owners uh, second guess their gut on who's right for their team and who isn't. We you know we're just we're loyal creatures by nature, I believe. Most people are, most owners. And so we keep people on that maybe aren't the right fit, or we just don't acknowledge that they need to be what I call recalibrated, shifted around, taught something new. So that's one thing. We're super loyal. And I love that, but it also can get in the way. The other hurdle is protecting your time. I just, you know, when you become a business owner, there's reason you have goals, but a lot of business owners are givers. And because of that, they just keep giving and giving to the point of their own uh, downfall. So it's about protecting the time so that you can spend time, you know, we say working on the business, not in the business. Yeah. And what are some of the specific things you help with to protect time? Well, you got to show them the downside of not protecting, like, you know, if you do X, you can't do Y, right? So it's a little concept of essentialism or McGowan's theory. I'll also put in appointment scheduling systems. So you understand this with sales, but this idea that people can reach you, but only when you're willing and able. (laughs) So putting in like tools to kind of hold you back from giving all your time all day and night. And another thing is visualizing your goals and ideas that you want to do and the benefits. And even I have to work at this after all these years. Every time you have a great idea, that doesn't mean you go ahead and do it. You know, write it down, write what's the benefit if I did do this. And if you can't clarify the benefit, it doesn't belong being implemented. And that helps. Yeah. So have you got any examples? Uh, You know, I don't have to mention specific names, but any examples where you've helped someone with that visualization? Well, I probably like a thousand. (laughs) So, all right. A real example would be, and this is a meld of multiple businesses because I've worked with enough and we always land up doing this. So we always land up writing out what's the best time of the day and the worst time of the day to do technical types of things, work, whatever that work is. What's the best time of the day to do your sales calls versus the worst time of the day? Because we have like energy swells throughout the day and focus, right? Some people get really tired in the afternoon. Others are super energized. So we actually do like a color blocking to talk about that. And then we bake that in to the scheduling software. So I've done that with of all the businesses I've worked with, I can't name any that we haven't done that for, every one of them. And do you have a diagnostic or something to, to help them understand when their energy is at its peak? I have not gone that far. I would love to have, but I will tell you just this exercise alone of the color blocking is something they've never even done or even sat and thought about it. So that it seems to be enough <laughs> to get them going. Yeah, look, because uh, most of my clients in the US, I'm living in Australia, mm-hmm. uh, well, US and, and Europe, so it's a bit tricky, but I, I sort of split my day. So, you know, start off, morning is the hardest, you know, eat the frog. And then in the middle of the day, I go for a ride, a swim, have a you know nice cold shower, have a nap, 30 minute nap. And then yeah. I start my second part of the day, which is like morning again. So once again, I go to the hardest stuff and then, you know, but uh, I did hear the other day where, you know, someone said, you know, like you work an extra hour, but if your energy levels at 10%, 20%. You actually haven't worked an extra hour. That's what's the point, right? Yeah. So that's what I mean. If I were to ask you, you obviously know your energy levels. 
So again, I do believe mostly it's just somebody asking you the right question about it. And then you thinking about your day and going, yeah, I absolutely know when I'm good and when I'm not good. And you're right. That's spinning the wheels. I remember when I started my business, this is something most people don't know. In fact, almost everyone except my husband, I actually slept on the floor under my desk for 30 minutes a day. Cause I didn't want to be around anybody. Like I didn't want anybody to even know I was doing that. I felt so guilty, but that was the power nap you take now. Like then I, you had to, you just, how would you go that many hours in a day? So yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I've got that image and I'm sure if, you know, you watch this year, that image of George Costanza. <laughs> That's the entrepreneur you. image. Yeah, exactly. Under the desk with the bed sure. <laughs> and the time clock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I always remember that one. But yeah, and look, for me, certainly, because now I got down to 6% kidney function and they call it the kidney fog, but it is just horrendous. It's like not sleeping for 48 hours. That was every day. So, you know, I used to, yeah, I really, I now know having a Mm -hmm. kidney transplant and getting all my energy back, just the difference between the two. But uh, yeah, Yeah. that's cool. And visualization. So, you know, once again, just take us through a little bit more Mm -hmm. about that visualization because it means so many different things to different people. But what's your interpretation of that? Okay, so I'll try to draw a picture verbally. So one way of visualization is writing down the ideas. And the way I do it is I actually use a software program, a project management software program, and you can use any one. And you write down the idea, then you write down the benefit of implementing the idea. And then you write down who would lead that idea, like who would implement it and when would you start and end it. And the exercise of actually, it's like muscle memory, the exercise of actually writing it down, articulating the benefit in the timeline makes your gut basically, which is your second brain, right? Basically tell you this is never gonna happen (laughs) or yes, I can get this in amongst everything else. So that's one form of visualization. A second form I do is I use PowerPoint. So if I'm doing work around process and tech and thinking about the client experience, like your sales process you work on, I'll just open a PowerPoint and I'll actually put in the logos of the different tech being used. And then in text, in written word, write down what are the steps that we're going to go through, that I'm going to take somebody through that experience. Again, by seeing something visually with color and non-color, writing something, it like comes to life. You hear, you feel the flaws, you see the gaps, you see the problems, and you also see the hurdles with implementation or the win. You know, you can also see, wow, this is really turnkey. This is going to be a great experience for my staff and, you know, from my potential client, for example. So that's a second way to visualize. And the third way is, I'm going to say it's the old style way, but whiteboarding. I did this last week. I was working with the client and I whipped out like a small whiteboard and I just took a marker and started writing down with arrows. And it was like the skies opened. Like they're like, yep, I got it. Makes complete sense. So yeah. And, and do you ever use the whiteboard, say, on Zoom that we're using at the moment or others where it's, you know, virtual whiteboard as well? No, because I'm terrible with the mouse. It looks <laughs> like, it looks like bad, bad graffiti, but I know I'm sure you would tell me because you know these great tools. I'm sure there's a better tool than just the Zoom tool. That co- but yeah, no, I'm not not great on that yet. Yeah. Someday. Have you ever heard of Mural? M-U-R-A-L? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's... Uh, and Better. I know people use that as a form of a visualization board. And, and you talked about project management software. Like, as you said, there's a lot of great ones out there, but what are some of the key principles when using a project management software? Yeah, well, I'm biased. I want the four fields. I want, so, well, let me go step back. It's about how it is on your eyeballs. 
So I have no ties to this company, but I'll mention it because I happen to like the platform. I happen to use Asana because when I write something in, it can look like Excel for some people. Yes. It can look like a calendar for other people. And it can look like what you're talking about with that you know, mural. It can look like a whiteboard. So everybody is a different type of learner, right? And so you can put, it's all the same data, but you can see it in different ways. So I don't know. Yeah, I think that's right. And look, we've, I've used uh, Asana oh, mm-hmm. since about 2016, I think. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's fantastic. And uh, I actually met the COO. So, you know, when you go into a task and now you can hit a button and it can start to type it, but it also takes the, it turns your voice into text. Yes. And Is that then, you? Yeah, that was me. That's awesome. You really are cutting edge. I do love it. You read all these tech things. You're so far ahead. But it's that's a great feature. Believe me. It saved me from, well, anyway, you know, when you're driving and you have an idea. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. Thank you. Well, there's, there's no police here. But uh, yeah, so, and the, you know, because of that, how do you, because I suppose the hardest thing when everyone moves to project management software is, you know, do I put, where do I put the SOPs or, you know, like there's a whole lot of rules and, and, and everyone's got a different interpretation of it. How do you work with companies to get, you know, on the one page, so to speak? Yeah. So I actually, everything I've ever done has been mostly virtual. <laughs> I'm Zoom now, but it used to be Skype. And I actually will draft out the structure in, in Asana for them. And so I set it up with a board and I set up the four main goals and I do the three P's and a G. So I cover people, productivity, profitability, and growth. And then from there, I use the task feature. So I don't use it as a project management software. I use it as a business planning software, like a modify. And so underneath each of the goals, that's where we list all the great ideas. And then I have one trick on the side. I create one extra area and it's called the simmer pot. And that's where you can throw all those crazy, wonderful ideas, but they don't make it under the three P's and a G until you assign a benefit to them. Right. And just uh, again, those three P's and a G was people, productivity, profitability, yep. and growth. And growth. Great. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe uh, you use another platform called Ideos. What's that and, and how do you use that? So that's my brain articulated for businesses. So when businesses watch, when I like go through building out processes and thinking about how they operate or how they can operate better, my brain ticks off the words off of IDEOS. So let me quickly explain that and then we can go deeper. So IDEOS is I for integrate, D for delegate, E for eliminate, O for outsource, and S for staff. When I'm working through, again, how do you introduce yourself out to a potential customer and then bring them through the whole kind of sales cycle? As they're talking about what they're doing, I'm looking for ways to IDEOS. If you follow that mantra, it actually helps you to think of ideas to lower the workload, which boosts profitability and capacity, which then allows you to grow. So I that's actually just my brain <laughs> articulated. And I try to teach that as I'm working with businesses so that when I'm no longer working with them, they can continue to use that mantra to continue to improve. Because as you and I both know, if you're on this path of growth, you're always needing to improve so that you're not overstaffing, you're not maxing out people, you're thinking of better ways you know, to operate. Yeah. And with, you know, COVID and the impact that that's had, how, how's that changed the way that people run their business and particularly run their operations? Yeah. I will say the things that I've been talking about for years are coming to life. You know, the idea of using outsource providers, right? People were so 
I mean, you and I are so into that. They were so afraid of that. Maybe it was control. Maybe it was that, they, you know, they didn't know the person really well. They couldn't like, you know, get to meet them. Uh, big fans of that now, right? That's one thing. Two, this collaboration software. Again, you're ahead of your time. How do you collaborate on ideas when you're not all in the same location? Well, the things like Asana and Trello ClickUp, they're amazing, right? And they're not invasive. If you don't, you know, if you shut off email notifications, you just, you use them when you need them to help you. So I guess I would say silver lining, businesses are operating better. They're thinking more lean. They're more excited about the opportunities where it's not just a ton of work, right? It's more about being able to focus on their people internally and their customers or clients. So I, I think businesses are coming out really great. And, and those that can survive. Yeah. And who's the best person to lead the internal project? Obviously, you know, they bring you in to transform the business, you know, prove the operations for those three P's and the G, but who's best? to be, I suppose, you know, the person on within the client that works with you? Yeah. Well, it depends on what we're working on. So let's break it down. So we've obviously, if it's sales or marketing, it may be the person that supports the business developing person. I believe in empowering your people and helping them rise up, which also allows the senior executives to delegate down. So for me, I aim to not work necessarily with the owners all the time, but like that next tier of person. And that next tier, by the way, could be literally that administrative assistant that is just answering the phones, but you didn't realize had that like power skill to think about the moving parts and pull it all together and just rise up. So it doesn't matter where they are. It's how their brain works. I know that's a vague answer, but it really oh, no, depends. Uh, look, I understand. And I think that's the gap where a lot of people, a lot of owners prolong it because they think they've got to be the person that does it. And obviously, you know, shared some great examples where that doesn't. Uh, what are some of the other things that sometimes get in the way of owners letting go and letting their team, you know, effectively build the processes with you? Well, we can have those control freaks. And yeah. I can speak <laughs> clearly to that, right? I mean, I used to work in quality control. It's just not a good position for somebody who's a control person. So sometimes that control freakiness can get in the way. However, the trick with that is understanding that if you let somebody else in your team build the processes that you can then make the final decisions on, that actually appeases your control. Like you can see what's going on without doing the work. So, you know, that's how we get over that control freakiness. Another hurdle again, finding time. I think the hardest thing is being the business owner is yes. In the end, you are the decision maker. Like, you know, you can't get away from that. And if you want to get away from that, great. That's the business of building a scalable business. You've got to hand over the reins to somebody else. So let your people draft. Great example on this one. I have too many businesses when I'll say to them, when I start, I would love to get the job descriptions. And they're like, eh, I don't really have them. I'm like, great. Let's do it. I'm going to send out a template to all the staff and let them draft. And the owners are like blown away. Like, I thought I was supposed to draft it. I'm like, no, you're not. They're already doing the job. Let them do the first draft. Let's give them some tips. Let them do the second draft. All your job to do is, is to refine it with them and then to support them and what their goals are if it matches the business. Talk about a breath of fresh air and liberation. The owner doesn't have to do it. So, Yeah, I think that, that's a great point. And, and can't remember who I learned it from when I was at Coke, but they sort of talked about, well, and James Clear talks about it as around, you know, it's a lot harder to change an existing habit. It's a lot easier to create a new one. You know, and I, I think a lot of times business owners, you know, I 
the saying was, can someone else do this? Or am I doing someone else's job, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've got my, you know, leadership strategy, maybe sales, closing, partnerships, whatever, the things that only I can do as a business owner and then everything else get out of to mm-hmm. let others uh, do it. So, you know, very much aligned with what you're saying. Well, before we go into the live section, I'd mm-hmm. like to talk about whether you are going to have a low or high seven-figure business in 2021. I've got a an assessment and it's a series of 15 questions. It takes about three minutes to do. But the most important thing is once you do the assessment, it's a gap analysis. Once you do the assessment, then what we'll do based on your score is give you specific actions. And most of those actions are have a call with me, but the call is not a sales call. The call is to see and go into the gaps and how you might be able to close those. So you can go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash assessment to finish or to complete that 15 question or the 15 questions in uh, less than three minutes. So that's paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash assessment. So in the live section now, Jen, so what are some daily habits that help you be successful? I've always found that getting up in the morning, doing, I call it my geriatric workout. I can't do a hard workout anymore. And then dressing for work has been huge for me. Now I've done this forever and I know a lot of people are just learning to work from home. So that's really hard on them, but it's kind of like putting your game face on. So that's been really important. Another daily habit certainly is standing during the day. We sit way too much and we don't realize that that's really not good for the brain. So it's the idea of kind of like standing up. But for some reason, you think the blood is going to go down more, but it seems to help. So that's really good. And then finding something that you really like. So for me, sometimes I'll read the Stoics. I read like one page a day. Yeah holidays book, or I happen to be an empath. So I'll read something in Osloff. And I also do a gardening. So maybe I'll take out 15 minutes a day to just do something that is totally different and kind of switch my brain. Yeah, brilliant. And with standing, uh, do you stand up desk? What's your opinion on stand up desk? Yeah, absolutely. And if you can't, there's so many great, like I spent a fortune of mine years ago, but now they've got these devices that are like a hundred. I mean, it's pretty amazing. You can do just about anything you want for cheaper for that matter. I mean, I remember back in the day before sit stand desk, I just made a big block of wood and put stuff on top. So, but yeah, yeah I think it's crucial. Yeah, look, I've got a great, I've got two monitors here. I've got a printer. So, you know, it's uh, quite a sturdy one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I do 30 minutes on and off. So I work focused tasks for 30 minutes, one task, 30 minutes is timed. As soon as it goes off, I go and stretch and do a couple of, you know, fill my water bottle, whatever. And then when I come back, it's standing. So then I'm alternating that through the day. So I find that to be fantastic. And, um, you know, if you think of most people, when you're on the mobile phone, or when you're on a mobile phone, when, you know, sometimes remember, you walk, and you think, how did I get here? Right? But you typically think far better on your feet than you do sitting. So uh, I think that's a great benefit. So uh, we spoke about your partner, Jared, who's, you know, supported you at the start. So, Mm -hmm. you know, he's listening, or he's watching and listening right now. What would you like to say to him about the support he's given you through this journey? Thank you. I actually read it in my bio that I'm married to one very very understanding man. I think your partner is so crucial in running and being an entrepreneur and running a business. And for him, it's the patience and honestly mirroring what I should have done years ago, which is to speak a little more slowly and deliberately to let the idea come to life and to think about what you're saying. 
Yeah, so I owe him a big thanks. I wouldn't be doing what I do today without the support. Um, but more importantly, that he emulates what I should be doing. And maybe I'll do it really well right before I die someday. Lifelong learning. <laughs> and the next section is the give section. So what's a charity or a community that you're passionate about and why? Yeah, so I'm super passionate. I used to work with the homeless for five years and... Um, just feeding meals at the end of the workday. And so now I give to Feed America. So that's like my favorite charity to give to at all times. I do locally, I give to, it's called Under the Bridge. There's people that live in the next town over that live under a bridge. So I give to that. And then on the community side, I took it upon myself two years ago actually more like five years ago, to get involved in town politics to promote public school education and funding. And I am knee deep in that now. <laughs> so we're working through a massive multi-year plan to fund and really modernize our public schools here. So I'm, I'm very excited about it. Excellent. Well, a uh, charity or a community that I support is called the Purple House. It's purplehouse.org.au and they help in Indigenous Australians get access to dialysis machines. And with my background, it's uh, really important to me. And my book that you can all see in the background there, Bill, give all the proceeds of that and a portion of my total income goes there. So the last section is the action section. I'll ask you some questions and get some rapid fire responses. So the first one is what are your top three personal effectiveness tips? Same thing as I do for business. Visualization, ideos. I do it with my personal life and my kids and always be a curious learner. I'm always learning. Brilliant. And now we talked about Asana as a project management software, but what's uh, other than Asana, what's a key piece of software that's essential for running your business? Yeah. If it weren't for my calendar system and my CRM, I would be a lost puppy. So I absolutely need both of those document, email. I think that covers it. Yeah. And what uh, CRM do you use? I use Salesforce. Salesforce. Mm-hmm. And because I know that I'm just going off script a little here, but I know that for many businesses, you know, there's the discussion that Salesforce is like, you know, taking a, an ocean liner down the, you know, fishing. It's, you know, it's a, it's yeah. a big for fit for purpose. Uh, you know, why Salesforce for you? Well, Salesforce for me, you're right, is not a fit for most. When I started my business, I actually was on a path to grow it quite large with lots of staff and scalability and tech. And the industries I was working with, Salesforce would have been an up and coming system to use. So I thought, why not learn it and use it at the same time so I could help my businesses with it? So that's why I picked Salesforce. But yes, I've worked with like bridal shops and yoga studios. It is not the right system for that. Like there are these amazing, less expensive, easy systems to use for those type of businesses. So yeah, yeah don't take my lead is what I'm saying. <laughs> and you said you're you know, a curious learner. I am as well. What's, what's sort of the best source of new ideas for you? Yeah, I think they fall in my lap. And you can speak better to this because I knew you were a high learner. I mean, I do, if I listen to my business friends and find out what they're reading or listening to and my personal friends, that's probably more than enough to be reading off of. And then I do, I am active, as you know, on LinkedIn. So from time to time, somebody, you know, promotes a book. And of course, if it's got the right title and it hits the heart, I'm in. So. Yeah. Brilliant. And the la- the big question is the last question. That's why I leave it to the end. What impact do you want to leave on the world? I've always wanted, and this is going to, I've always wanted people to have financial freedom and What I mean by that is to have choices. What pains me the most about so many people is that they're trapped doing something because they so desperately need that money 
and that win. And they don't have the flexibility of saying no to the bad customer or no to an idea that, you know, really doesn't hit their heart and their gut. Right. So for me, it's that if I can, I don't know if I can leave this earth knowing that there was more people that had the ability to have choices in life, that would be good. That would be good. Yeah. Beautifully said. So Thanks so much, Jen, for sharing all your wisdom today. People can find out more. Like you said, you're very active on LinkedIn. So people can find out more. We'll have all the links in the show notes to that. It's fully transcribed for you. And also you can go to jennifergoldmanconsulting.com to get more information about Jen and the wonderful work that she's doing. But thanks for being an excellent model of Build, Live, Give you both, you know, build your own business, but you help other people to be more operational for theirs so that they can go and live life and you're a great exponent of uh, giving back. So uh, wonderful to have you on the show today, Jen, and uh, I will talk soon. Thank you. Listener, welcome and please subscribe if you love the show. If you're a regular, welcome back and I'd love to get some feedback from you. You can always leave questions at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash questions. Thanks for listening to the Build, Live, Give podcast. If you like what you heard, please share it and leave us a review. It would mean the world to us.